I hope today from Scripture we see perhaps the greatest news you and I could ever, ever hear. This comes to us throughout the Scriptures, but we'll see it here in the Gospel of Mark. When we come together on Sunday mornings, when I'm preaching, we're going to look at this great short letter. Mark, the young man, hitting the point. We believe, perhaps, some theologians tell us that Mark, it is as if he's learning his information from Peter. Peter was older, Mark was younger, and it is as if Young Mark is saying, Peter, what was it like following Jesus, listening to him, where you went, what you did? And it is as if Mark is writing down, Peter saying, we went here and immediately we went there and immediately and immediately and immediately. Those are the two words that we see constantly in this short letter. And immediately, and immediately. We did this, and then immediately we went there, and then we went there, and immediately. And then we believe, theologians tell us, that Matthew and Luke took what they had learned from Mark and then learned more of the details. Matthew took 28 chapters. Mark reduces it to 16. Nothing about the early life of Christ. Immediately, he's baptized and starts ministering. And that's what we see here. In just two verses this morning, I want us to see something extremely important. As Mark tells us, and immediately, this happened. Jesus has just been baptized by John the Baptist. Now John has been arrested. Just that quick. John's been arrested. These two verses we see here. And we're going to try to answer the question. We're going to see here, Christ is constantly talking about the kingdom of God. Sometimes stated, the kingdom of heaven. It's the same. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. Different terms, different audience. What is the kingdom of God that was so important to Jesus Christ that he wants us to know and uh, participate in his kingdom? What is the kingdom? After John is arrested, John was the forerunner. John was the one who said to people, prepare the way. I'm here to prepare the way for the Lord. I'm just a sign pointing to the one to come, Jesus. I'm just pointing to the one to whom I am not worthy to even untie his shoes. I'm not even worthy to be servant to this Jesus. Following Jesus in such humility was costly. John has been arrested. And it was deadly what followed. John has been arrested. 
And Jesus immediately began preaching the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. That is a word I trust that you hear often, that you see it in your reading and that you hear it preached and taught. The question is, what is the gospel? That word we hear, that word that should be so precious to us. But what is it? What is this gospel? It's often properly referred. It is good news. Another word for the gospel is good news. Great. (laughs) But what's good news? Tell us more of what the gospel is. Jesus was arrested, verses 14 and 15. Jesus came into Galilee. He began his teaching, preaching ministry, and his message was what? What did he preach? What did he say? The gospel of God. The gospel of God. I want us to ask and answer four important questions. Number one of the four important questions, what is the gospel of God? Secondly, what is the kingdom of God that Jesus was preaching? He talks about repentance. What is repentance? And lastly, what is believing the gospel? What is the gospel of God? After John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. What is the gospel of God? Here it is. We're going to see it defined by Paul himself in John 15. Pardon me, 1 Corinthians 15. Here it is, and then we're going to see it. The gospel, the good news is this. Jesus Christ is God-man. That's good news. He lived a perfect life. That's good news. He willingly was crucified, punished for sin that he never, ever committed. And by his resurrection, by his resurrection, he takes sin upon himself and gives his righteousness. To all of those the Father has given to him. That's good news. Let's see it broken down. Let's see it stated by Paul, who was such a powerful, effective preacher of this good news. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Paul, as he writes to those in Corinth and to us, he says, I, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, I would remind you, brothers, of the what? The gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Know it and remind yourself of it. That's what Paul's doing. You've heard it. You've believed it. You're standing upon it. But I want to remind you again and again and again. 
as many have told us, we need to teach it and repeat it to ourselves daily. Remind yourself daily of the gospel, the good news. What is it? What is this good news that we need to remember daily? Have you received it? Are you standing on it? Keep reminding yourself of these truths. What is it? Verse 3. For I declare to you as of first importance. Here it is. This is important. This is foundational. First importance. What? What I always also received that. Here it is. Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He died for our sins. Do you believe it? For the sins that you and I have committed and do commit, those words we say that we should not say, those thoughts and those fantasies, that behavior, either we will die and be punished for them or Jesus has died for them, accepted that punishment that you and I deserve. Remind yourself that if you've repented and are repenting, Christ died for those sins and they're no longer on our record. He died for them according to the scriptures. Secondly, verse four, that he was buried. Meaning he descended into hell. That place of judgment, that place of wrath, that place that you and I deserve, Christ has been there on our behalf. That's good news. But he didn't stay dead. He was what? Raised on the third day, the resurrection. Others claimed it to be the Messiah, and they died. But others who claimed to be Messiah were never resurrected. Only Christ was. Remind yourself of that. The resurrection proves that the Father is pleased with the work of His Son on behalf of all of those the Father gives to Him. The Father is pleased with Christ. It means if you're in Christ, The Father is pleased with you because He's pleased with His Son. That's good news. And that's what Jesus was preaching as He went throughout Galilee, raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Verse 5, and that He appeared to Cephas. He appeared to Peter. And then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Most of whom are still alive. Though some have fallen asleep. Doesn't mean they went to sleep. It means they had died. The resurrection. He appeared to Peter. Then he appeared to twelve. Then at one time he appeared to as many as 500 
Go ask them, says Paul. Most of them are still alive. Go ask them. Did you see him? Did you see him? Did you see Christ alive? Go ask them. Some have died, but most are still alive. That's good news. What is the gospel? Here it is. Jesus, God, man, lived a perfect life. Jesus went to the cross and took the punishment he did not deserve. Jesus was resurrected. And his resurrection is verified by all of those who saw him. That was Jesus' message. The gospel about himself. Apply it, apply it, apply it. If you are in Christ, if you do what these did, repent and believe, if you're repenting of your sin, if you're turning from your sin, if you're turning from going your own way to the way of Christ, if you're trusting in Him, here's the good news. The Father, Holy God, sees you as he sees his son. When the father looks at you and me, if you're in Christ, he no longer sees our sin and the judgment we deserve. He sees the perfect life of Christ. Did you hear that? If you're in Christ, when the Father looks at you, He doesn't see our sin. He sees the perfect obedience of Christ. He sees us as those who have died with Christ. He sees you as one who's been resurrected with Christ. Resurrected. All that Christ is to the Father, we are to the Father. That's good news. If you're repenting and if you're believing. I struggle to believe it. It's just too good. (laughs) If you're struggling with me, may he let us believe the good news. Christ's life. Christ's death. Taking the punishment of sin upon himself. Christ's resurrection. So that no longer are we in our sin, but we are what? Resurrected with Christ in God. We are seated with him in the heavenly realm. For us to live is what? Is Christ. That's good news. That's what Jesus was preaching. Secondly, he went around preaching the gospel and the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What is it that he preached? To have a kingdom, you must have a king. And Jesus is the king of all kings. 
To have a kingdom, not only do you need a king, but you need land. You need a place to rule and reign. The whole earth, the whole world is the kingdom of Christ. To have a kingdom, you must have a king. That's Jesus. You must have land people. You've got to have land, territory. It's the whole world. To have a kingdom, you've got to have people, subjects to the king, or people under the authority of the king. Who is that? It's all people of all races and all nations and all languages. It's everyone everywhere. Jesus is king of all kings. And lastly, to have a good kingdom, you've got to have laws and rules and boundaries and stipulations. We have those laws and boundaries and stipulations and commands in the scriptures. Jesus has a kingdom, and it's the whole world. What is the kingdom of God? Look at it. Look at this definition of what a kingdom is. It's everything in the past, everything in the present, everything in the future, under the powerful, conquering rule and authority of Jesus Christ. Listen, every, every event, every circumstance, every situation that occurs in this world is under the authority of King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Rest in that. Everything of the past, everything of the present, every future heartache and disappointment is still under the powerful conquering rule and authority over Jesus Christ, even all over all peoples, all leaders, all events, all circumstances, all of creation. Why? For his praise and ultimately for our joy in him. Jesus Christ preaching the gospel, going about all of Galilee, preaching the kingdom of God. How do you enter the kingdom? How do you live there? What do you do? What's it like? How do you enter? How do you live within this kingdom? Jesus gives two stipulations. We must repent and believe this good news. We must believe and keep on believing. We must repent and keep on repenting as a daily way of life. What is repentance? Again, I like our catechism. Question and answer. What's this? How's it answered? Look at this definition. We believe it's based on Scripture. On what is repentance of which we and all people must do? 87, question 87 of our catechism with its answer. Repentance leading to life of sons and daughters living within the kingdom. It's a saving grace. We don't earn it. 
We don't deserve it. It's by His grace. We see ourselves as the sinner we are. And realizing our sin and begin grasping there's mercy. He's willing to not treat us as we deserve the mercy of God in Christ. Look what we begin doing. We begin turning from our sin. Repentance is turning. Turning from going your own way. Turning to go the way of Christ in Scripture. Turning from your sin with grief, with hatred of that sin. Turn to God with full resolve and effort after new obedience. It's a daily coming after Christ. It's a daily taking up the cross. Daily following Him. A prayer that I need every day is the word that's used there. Hatred. I need you to pray that I'm a man who hates. Hates sin. That's what you need. It's what we all need. We find sin so appealing. Promising joy. Promising life. Promising pleasure. Lying. Stealing. Lusting. Adultery, greed, envy. We do it because we think it will bring us pleasure. No, no, no. Lord, teach us to hate it. To hate sin. As John Piper says, find it repulsive. Find it sickening. I'm not there. Hatred of sin. Turning from it and turning to God with full resolve and effort after new obedience. That's what Jesus preached. Jesus preached, said, come, come, come after me. Deny yourself. Take up the cross daily. Come to the way of death daily. And follow him. That was Jesus' message. For them and for us. It's good news. To live in the kingdom. To repent of sin. Turn from your own way. Turn only to the way of Christ. Lastly, believing, believing, believing. Back to Mark 1.15. Mark 1.15. And saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is now. Now repent and believe in this gospel.
believe in the gospel. It's an everyday trusting. Everyday believing. Do you struggle to believe? I do. It's a daily fight. I was telling my wife, John Piper has an excellent, excellent book on fighting for joy even when you do not feel it. Fighting for joy even when you do not feel like joy. I've told my wife, I have to fight for faith. Every day, every day, every day. Lord, to believe to believe your promises, to believe these truths that you say in Scripture, to believe biblical confidence. Believe and keep on believing. How are we to apply this? The kingdom of God, believing Christ, Turning from our sin is so important to Christ. When Jesus teaches us to pray, look at Matthew 6, 9b and 10. Remember, his followers wanted him, Christ, to teach them to pray. So Jesus teaches us to pray. And he says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first request we make is that Christ's name is hallowed, that his name is reverenced, that his name is respected, and secondly, that his kingdom will come and be established in your life, in the lives of all here on earth. Christ, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Pray like that every day. for his kingdom to come in your life. Now listen, when we pray like that, I remind you of these terms that I use because it's true. When we pray for his kingdom to come in our life, it means we live before him with open hands and open hearts. It means Christ, take from us whatever you need to take. What's most valuable to you? Do you give him the right to take it? Give whatever you need to give as long as your kingdom comes. Are you willing for him to give you what's needed for his kingdom to come? It's the way to joy. It may be through the valley of the shadow of death. 
but it's worth it for his kingdom to come and his will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Dying to self. turning to him for what is best. What does Jesus summarize it? In Matthew 6, 33, Jesus summarizes it this way. Matthew 6, 33. Jesus says, you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness then all these things will be added to you. He knows what you need. It's in the very context of what will we wear? What will we eat? How will we live? Jesus is saying, he understands. He knows what you need. He knows the daily bread. He knows the necessities. He said, you seek first his kingdom and living out his righteousness that is given to you as a gift. You don't earn righteousness. You live it out. Then all these things will be added. All these things that you need for his honor will be given. It's the kingdom of God. It's his righteousness lived out. Is the way to joy. Believe. May he enable us to believe. And may he use us to then reach out to those around us and to the nations as we'll continue in two weeks on the 23rd, Lord willing. Pastor Paul will preach next week. Then I again on the 23rd, the Lord willing. Then we'll look at where Jesus then goes out. Says, are you fishing? Are you fishing? Are you fishing? Are you fishing? Ah, let them enter into the kingdom. Let's pray. Father, enable us, persuade us. Enable us and persuade us. To seek first above all else your kingdom. Trusting that then all these things will be added. To turn every day from going our own way. And turning to you in repentance and faith. And use us, Father. Not just us, but all of your very own everywhere to impact and influence others that together we're daily turning from self to Christ. Amen.